when we grow, we grow as a result of hearing many different voices and many different ideas. There's no one idea that fits everybody. And the Dental Ailments podcast and the Dental Ailments concept is not only a ton of fun, but it really stimulates thought. And that's what we need here. We need lively, open-minded, I got to hear about this kind of thinking if this in this profession, if we're going to grow in it. So props to the both of you. Well, hello again, everybody. This is April from Dental Ailments Podcast. I have an incredibly special guest today, Dr. Alan Stern, and he's visiting us from New Jersey. I can't do the Jersey accent. Hey, watch it. (laughs) I can't be an imposter. (laughs) (laughs) Us West Coasters can't do it. I'm the real deal, April. I I know. After talking to you, I I can't mess around. I I can't compete with the Jersey accent. (laughs) But thank you for being on the show. It is my distinct pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, truly honored, and I, I, I do mean that. And I, I know you're an incredibly busy guy, still practicing and doing your myriad of other projects, which are yep. amazing to talk about. Um, so how we met, we met at the Dental Festival a month yes, ago. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And uh, we had a lot of fun. And we by did. the way, I, I was just invited to speak there next year, so it's going to be even more fun, but I, I was really impressed with you and Cindy. Uh, you're, you take a viewpoint that's different, that's a little contrarian, uh, and we need, you know, when we grow, we grow as a result of hearing many different voices and many different ideas, because April, there's no one idea that fits everybody. Right. And the Dental Ailments podcast and the Dental Ailments concept is not only a ton of fun, but it really stimulates thought. And that's what we need here. We need lively, open-minded, I got to hear about this kind of thinking if this in this profession, if we're going to grow in it. So props to the both of you. Well, thank you very much. But well, I think I might hire you for marketing. <laughs> um, hey, I, I, I'm from New Jersey, man. I'm for sale. Yeah, New okay. Jersey, New Jersey is the <laughs> land of the free and the home of the bride, baby. Bring it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get started on some insights. Speaking of perspective and ideas, I appreciate sure. that you see there's all different kinds of perspectives because usually yep. people are trapped and only see one and their own, and that's their own. Yep. So tell me a little bit about your history in dentistry. Oh my, and it's ancient history. Take the dust off of it. What's that? Take the dust off of it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I graduated Virginia Commonwealth University. Are you sitting down? In 1981. And here I am 40 years later. I I did a general practice residency. I worked as an associate in a private practice for five years before figuring out that I really needed to do this on my own for so many reasons. And 34 years later, May 21st, 1987, we opened our office, my wife and me together alone. She did everything. I did the dentistry. She did everything else. And we now have a lovely uh, small private practice, high care, high touch, spend a lot of time with people, pretty much insurance independent, 
We participate only in one uh, plan. It's always been that way. Uh, I've developed a philosophy along the way that values people over everything else. We treat people. And by the way, uh, well, I'll get into philosophy later, but on my journey, I made every business and financial mistake in the book. I tried to be something that I wasn't. I looked at others. I suffered from comparison syndrome. I spent money on a big house. I spent money on a big car. I spent money on weekly radio live advertising because you know I love to speak. You are not going to hold me down here, April. Right. I was going to say, it, it, this sounds this sounds familiar, especially I, the, the new dentist. Yeah. Yeah. And I took advice. Now, listen to me carefully. I took advice from people whose advice was not necessarily for me. I hired some of the advisors that advise the big boys of dentistry because I figured if I hired them, I'd be a big boy too. Bought the big house because that's how the big boys live, right? I bought the big car so I could drive around like a big boy. And man, when I get on radio, I sound just like a big boy. <laughs> but in my 50s, April, my wife and I were living paycheck to paycheck because it felt good. felt pretty good looking like a big boy. But it didn't feel so good paying the bills. And all of a sudden, paycheck to paycheck, what do I do? I had to sell the house under duress. I got rid of the radio. I kept the car. Okay. <laughs> I did keep the car. <laughs> um, but you look, you look too good in it, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> but... When, when I got rid of those big ticket things, those status symbols, I cried for weeks, cried for weeks. I drove past the old house on the way to the office and I cried. And I'm talking to you now from a townhouse. Me, 40 year panky trained, good dentist, Alan Stern in a townhouse. Yeah. But when the crying stopped, and the cash flow started, life got good. Life got real good. And all of a sudden, we had money to hire personal trainers and nutritionists. We had money to go to Vegas. Like we love, my wife and I love Las Vegas. That is where we have fun. So that wasn't a problem anymore. And I was able to save money again. I found the right financial advisor, the gentleman who told me, to sell my house and basically gut punched me with that. And I remember about eight months after I sold the house, uh, I was running on the boardwalk here on the Jersey shore. And I remember I was running North. I looked to my right out to the ocean and it dawned upon me. And this is something that everybody dentists and non dentists alike need to understand that no matter how much money you're making, or how little money you think you're making, you have more than most people in the world can imagine having. And you have less than some. So what? And it's not, you know, sometimes we dentists have perfection syndrome and we see the beautiful work that some of the masters put up in CE courses and we see ourselves as inferior. That's not right either. Because what I realized on that boardwalk run 
was that these people are helping me become the best version of myself. I am married for 44 years. Holy smoke. And our marriage today is better than it's ever been. And she got five good years out of it. She's got nothing to complain about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have, have to say, what's that? And we have two magnificent kids, adult kids now, who are just doing beautifully in life. And that's when I realized on that boardwalk run that just like you and just like you listeners, my life, my worth, my value are pretty darn good. And I took a deep breath and I realized how good my life has been. The only one who didn't know it was me. And from that moment on, I said to myself, I'm going to enjoy this ride. I'm going to, I'm going to ride this thing as high as I could ride it and as best as I could ride it doing better every day. Well, thank you for your candor. I, that's one thing I really appreciated when we met, I could tell right off the bat. I'm like, okay, this guy's been through some stuff. Well, like we all have, Yes, right? indeed. we all have stories to tell, but you're, you're humble about it, which I appreciate greatly, yeah. especially as a, as an assistant, because, you know, sometimes we're not always seen as, I don't want to say equal, but you know what I'm talking about. Well, yes and no, April. Um, there's a great book, and I would like you to write this down. And listeners, I'd like you to write this down, too. There's a great book called Humble Inquiry by Edgar Schein. It's one of my favorite books, besides the one I wrote, of course. Uh, but <laughs> Humble <laughs> Inquiry. <laughs> Speaking of humility. But anyway. Yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, it's a great book. It's the best book. Um, uh, number one bestseller when it was released, but who's bragging? But Humble Inquiry by Edgar Schein is a fantastic business book. And I'm not going to belabor the point too long, but it brings us to the realization that if you're my assistant, April, I need you every bit as much as you need me. I need the hygienist. I need the administrator. And I need the patients. And in fact, we all need each other equally in this time when we have a severe labor shortage, I believe that the reason that my team has been pretty stable is because I realized that. And I've hired people who buy into the same values that I do. So we need each other. And it's no secret. It's no secret that I need these people. I'm not any better than you are. Well, I remember you saying when we met, you said, okay, we, we first start out with, this is our staff, correct? But then we yeah. renamed it, remarketed it as, oh, the team. But you said, no, this is my community. Yes, indeed. We, I'm bumping it up a notch. And it, I'm just introducing that word into my vocab very slowly. I still use the word team just so that people can relate to what I'm talking about when I'm using a one-word expression. But a team is a group of people working and growing interdependently with similar goals on a common mission. I've read that once or twice before. Um, that's the best definition I've ever heard of team. A community is a, simply a team of people who has each other's backs. And we have each other's backs in my office. That's yeah, fantastic. And, yeah. And because we know that, because we're all on board, we take care of people better that way. Right. Right. And you'd say, would it be safe to say family? 
Uh, family is an overused word, but uh, I'll tell you what, what is very good is there's a culture of love in my office. I just uh, had a um, Glenn Vaux on Nifty Thrifty uh, just put up a lecture of mine virtually. It's called Lead with Love, Start with Yourself and Direct It Outward. I believe that the one ingredient that we are lacking in so many aspects of our life, including business, is love. Went to a lecture. I saw a speaker named Todd Williams a couple of years ago at Speaking Consulting Network. And Mr. Williams is a, he's a, a PR officer for a healthcare firm in California. I forget which one. But he said, being good is not good enough. You got to be good, but you got to put some heart into it. You got to put love into your work. When that happens, number one, you differentiate your practice or your uh, uniqueness as an employee. And the other thing you do is you make your life, your work so much more enjoyable and so much less stressful. I'm not going to say zero stress. Let's understand this. We can get it. I can stand up in front of a group of people and tell you how awesome my, my community is, how awesome my patients are, how wonderful my dental practice is, but it ain't perfect and it's never going to be. And it's never going to be stress-free. Get over it. Did I teach you Alanism number one when we were together? What's the, show me somebody who has, doesn't have stress. Show me a person without stress and I'll show you a cadaver. Very good. That's Alanism number one. There are others which we won't repeat here, but that is Alanism. (laughs) That is my number one Alanism that I speak on whenever I speak and whenever I take on a coaching client. It's really true. But when you use your stress as a vehicle for growth, good stuff happens. That's true. I do. I have to admit, I do thrive on, I don't say, I don't say chaos or drama. I don't have time for drama, but I yep. do, I do thrive on like urgency and okay. We, if there's a challenge that's going to drive me, I have to admit that. Yep. And, and that's fine. I mean, that's that April, that's how you're wired. Right. And if you channel it properly and you maintain yourself as a happy human being, a contented human being, mm-hmm. that's your way. Right. I, uh, I'm, under, I'm under the gun now to complete a little bit of paperwork that I despise. Mm-hmm. But now, now the pressure is on. It's right. crunch time, baby. And it's, right. I'm getting it done faster than I've ever gotten done in my life. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I get that a lot. I get that completely. We're talking about perspective here. And you were talking about in your intro that, like Cindy and I, for example, you and other colleagues, what is next in dentistry? I, you know, we, I think it needs a little bit of a shakeup, but you give me your perspective on that. All right. <clears throat> Are you ready? Everybody hold on to your seats. Seatbelt fastened. What's going to shake up the industry? First of all, you use the dirty word there. There's a couple of dirty words that even I in New Jersey consider vulgar. And when we talk about dentistry, I do not like talking about an industry, April. I'm talking about a profession. And if you really want to get my New Jersey out, if you really want to see the language 
call me a provider and watch what happens. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I think I aspired to get into dentistry because I was going into a profession, an educated profession. And I am no better than you are, April. I am no better and no more valuable a human being than anyone else on this planet. We are all created in God's image. Some of us, of course, are proof that God has a sense of humor, but that's another subject. I'm in that group. Yeah. (laughs) But I went to school for four years. I've taken beyond college. I've taken a ton of continuing education. I continue to aspire to be better tomorrow than I am today. A professional is a person who does the right thing at all costs. And one of the things that is happening right now is that I, I don't know if I said this publicly, so you're the first. I don't want us to be treated like regulated tradesmen. You know, sometimes I hear we have a doctor and sometimes that language is not used with the appropriate level of respect of of humility, of here and now humility where we need you, but rather it's in kind of condescending terms. Now, how that came about, I mean, to a degree, the dental profession has brought that upon itself with some of its practices, with some of its competitive and often needlessly, um, needlessly nasty natured comments. But we are professionals. So what's going to shake up dentistry is the realization that either you choose to behave and work as a professional or you choose to work and behave as a tradesman. And I think, I think we're going through that shakeup right now. I think, I think we are seeing uh, and there are two ways to practice dentistry, and there's a lot of wonderful people. Uh, my buddy Travis Campbell, a genius, who works in a heavily insurance-based practice, and uh, Dr. Campbell is just a marvelous guy, and he's, he, he has his why. He's got it all figured out. But I am very viscerally uncomfortable with third parties micromanaging the decision-making and the conduct of a professional. And I am very disturbed by third parties creating expectations in the patient population that their word is the law and the tradesman is to to go by their word implicitly. So we have decisions to make. You as an assistant the hygienists, the associate doctors and the owner's doctors and the administrators and so on. What is the environment that you would like to work in? And that's not a rhetorical question. That's not a rhetorical question because an insurance-based practice is for some people and it's a necessary niche to occupy. But the private practice, the fee-for-service, independent doctor professional is a legitimate and important piece of the professional puzzle. 
So the shakeup is that dichotomy that's forming now. And it's happening. So we dentists have to realize who we are. Most importantly for dentists and everybody in the dental profession. You hear that? I did. We need to work to our happy. Practice to what makes you happy. If you thrive on chaos and you love that high volume, bam, 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 go, go, hustle. Do it. But do it with love in your heart. Do it with love for people in your heart. And it'll be even better. So there's your shakeup, dichotomy. I always like that word dichotomy. I'm glad you had this in the uh, the, the interview. They make <laughs> it's one me, of my favorite words. Words like that make me just make me sound much smarter than I really am. It so it's kind of good. I call them ten dollar words. There you in, go. In inflation. They used to be quarter, you know, ten cent words, but yeah, but in, insurance only pays two fifty on it. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you. Let me. Can I just throw something on the side for you here? Sure. Part of what I do, even in my office, and and you and Cindy have noticed this, is humor. Right. I think humor is a very important stress breaker. Mm-hmm. It's a very important connector of people. Right. And it's part of what makes life fun. It does. So I, I can't work without it. In in the most serious clinical situations, I will find a way to interject, interject humor. That's it's good. good for me. It's good for the assistant. It's good for the person receiving services. So humor, enjoy this interview, man, because you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. Right. And that's why that's why we get along. It's like, okay, it. gets it. We have the same similar sense of humor. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> so what do you see? What do you see for auxiliaries? What would you like to see for the hygienists and assistants and even? All aggregate? right. All right. Sit down on this one, too. Um, I want to see I want to see a culture of love. I want to see buy in. I want to see mutual support. All through the lockdown, we had some very unfortunate language being slung around between the dental dentist community and the um, team community member community. And it's very unfortunate, but, you know, we got emotionally hijacked by stressful situations. And there were very few things in our professional lives as stressful as COVID and lockdown. And we're still kind of muddling our way through it. Uh, but what I want to see is mutual support. I want to see humble inquiry. I want to see the humility that all of us need one another. So to the docs out there, what I say is the April sliders of the world are not perfect. Get over it. To the Aprils of the world, I will say the Alan Stearns of the world are not perfect. Get over it. And rather than holding one another accountable, what I would like to see happen in our offices is a culture of support. Rather than you, April, are my assistant, I'm going to hold you accountable to make sure that all the setups are right, all the the rooms are prepared adequately, perfectly, so you don't have to get up. I am going to hold you accountable to check that autoclave every week. No. How can I support you in doing that? And when I say I, I mean our entire office community. 
If you're having trouble keeping up, I want you to be able to go to the hygienist and say, hey, if you got a little bit of downtime, would you do me a favor? And the hygienist would say, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, doc, um, I'm stuck cleaning up here. Would you do- bring the patient up front for me? I'm running behind. Sure. No sweat. I want to see a culture of team togetherness and love. I want to see hiring done smart. You may not work out in my office. You may not have the emotional intelligence to work in my office, but you may do very well for um, the dentist across the parking lot from me. Mm-hmm. So I want to see some selectivity. I want to see some opportunity for growth. I want to right. see learning. I want to see you given the opportunity to learn whatever you want to learn and use it. Mm-hmm for the betterment of the practice. So I want to see everybody rising to that level of professionalism. Again, exactly why I don't want to hear provider and industry. I want to hear professional. I want to hear us all aspiring to, to be the best version of us. And when we slip up, I want to see everybody else in the office saying, Hey, April, you're, bu- hey, April, you're bummed today. Um, let's pick you up here. Let's go. What do you need? And I want that reciprocity when you see me say, hey, Alan, you're having a crappy day today. Uh, come on, buddy. Let's go. You're grumpy. Cheer up. Um, I want to see that kind of environment in our offices. And by the way, as long as you got me talking, you're not going to stop me. If conciseness were a virtue, I'd burn in hell. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, I want Why can't we do it this way? Why does it always have to be us versus them? Why can't we get on the same side of the box and push rather than go into a tug of war? No, I agree with you completely. And this is the the fight I've been battling with my cohorts. But you can, April, you can lead by example. You don't have to be the owner doctor to generate a culture of love. You can go into your treatment room and give some heart and soul. And eventually you're going to infect people. My, um, I had an assistant for five years who left us uh, and for personal reasons. And I hired somebody a year ago. And a new hire is tough. No matter how right you do it, it's tough. Right. And two weeks ago, Allison and I were sitting with a patient who was deeply stressed out and pretty emotional. I forget what the circumstance was. And Allison looks at her and she says two things. One, I want to adopt you as my grandmother. Two, she said, if you ever need to talk about something, please call me. That's when I knew Mm -hmm. that the year of training that I did for her paid off because she bought into the culture of love. And she led that loving discussion herself. I was so proud. But you can do that. You can bring love into your operatory, April. Don't forget that. Well, I mean, as a, I was going to say industry, as a profession, our fellow assistants, especially like, okay, how can we change this culture to exactly what you were talking about? Support system education and using the skills that were 
obtained from that education, education, honing the ones that we already had for the betterment of the practice patients and the general good, right? Yep. When is that going to change? I mean, it's it's been an uphill battle, not saying it won't happen, but talking to my colleagues on that, it's like, okay, we, we got to, we got to keep fighting this fight that we're not just spit suckers, that we're healthcare professionals. Yes. Um, are you talking about in your office in particular or across oh, the no, board? No. no, I no, I'm talking to the profession as a as a across as a whole the, across the board. Yes, as a whole. I think I think I don't know for those who have another big word coming the temerity to sit down with their owner one-on-one and say, hey, can I ask you something? I would love to learn more. How can we help each other? I want to be more valuable here. And come at it from a humble point of view. You may be mad as hell, and you may be in fighting mode. But how about in mutual support mode? Hey, Doc, I want, to, I want to do better. I want to do more. I want more satisfaction on the job. You're paying me great, and I appreciate it, and I know we're doing good stuff. But how can I grow here? How can you help me grow so that I can help you make this office even better? I'm, re- I'm listening to a great audio book called The Millennial Whisperer by a guy named Chris Tuff, T-U-F-F. Are you familiar at all? I remember you talking about it. So yeah. And, you know, we geezers, um, we characterize millennials as entitled and lazy and slouchy and not caring. And Chris Tuff talks about millennials really just wanting a cause to believe in. They want a purpose. They want to grow. They want to learn. They want to be heard. So if enough of us owners begin to understand in this tough labor market, that in order to get rock solid millennials to be working with us, by the way, in my office, they don't work for me. They work with me. I learned that when I was young, I worked at a day camp for many years. And the owner uh, said that to all of us, we were high school and college kids, a very mature concept, but you don't work for me. You work with me. And so why can't we kind of go up in a respectful, humble way, and say, hey, Doc, let's talk, let me talk to you about something. Got a minute? And sit down and just lay it out to him in, in a nice way coming from a good place. The way not to do it is say, damn it, Doc, either you send me for 15 hours of continuing education and advanced occlusal concept or I'm out of here. That's not how you do it. No. It's not an us versus. It's a us hand in hand with. Mm-hmm. So how can I be better here, Doc? And how can you help me become better? Yep. And that's what I tell my, you know, I'm, I'm if you recall, I'm a business owner as well. Mm-hmm. And always encourage growth. But again, none of us are perfect. No, so, you won't be. No. So please come to, you know, I tell the employees, please let us know. How yeah. you'd like to grow. If you, if it means not working here anymore, that's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. 
And, you know, it may not even hurt for you as a business owner, if there's docs listening to this, it may not hurt to go up to a person working in your office and say, how are you doing? Are you growing? Are you happy? Mm -hmm. And compliment them. Right. And by the way, your doc could use a little stroke on the shoulder every now and then too. Mm -hmm. Hey doc, that prep looked great. Oh, what a beautiful aesthetic case. Oh, you got Mrs. Jones out of pain. Wow. You did awesome doc. Why not? Exactly. Right. We need it too. We need love. That's right. Well, on that note, tell me about the book. How, what inspired you to write that book? Oh, the book. Thank you. Uh, and I, I so appreciate your ask. I just happen to have a copy right here. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a story. Um, you know, I recovered from my financial blunders. And I'm going to, I might get a little emotional here because this, this is very deep for me. I'm the son of a Holocaust survivor. What you can't see over there is a picture of my mother looking at me. And my mother survived some of the worst atrocities that you could ever think of. Even the most horrific stuff you're reading about in the news today pales in comparison to what my mother witnessed and saw. Uh, I won't go into graphics, uh, but it, it, unimaginable is the only word I could think of. My mother was haunted by demons her entire life and behaved in self-destructive ways that were hard to imagine. And uh, suffice it to say that she did not enter into a very good marriage. And we'll leave it there. My mother suffered terribly. And I understand those demons. In fact, I was a victim of some of them. Because there is a syndrome that children of Holocaust survivors are known to have, having to do with survival mode, struggle, self-image, self-esteem, self-efficacy. I went through most of my adult life with those issues, beating myself up here, there, and everywhere, and just understanding that I was put on this earth to struggle, survive, and suffer, like mom did. My mother died in 2012. And when that happened, Something happened to me in addition to the grievous loss that I suffered because she was a hero. I realized that in speaking to so many dentists and in having spoken, having given talks on depression and suicide risk in dentistry and knowing so many dentists who just inflict brutal pain upon themselves and having come through all that stuff myself, and on that run on the boardwalk, I literally said to myself, enjoy the ride. And I founded Better, Richer, Stronger, which is a coaching service for dentists. And I speak and I write and I have a Facebook page. You're all invited. It's for everybody in the dental profession. Please join me, Better, Richer, Stronger on Facebook. Uh, we have a lot of good stuff going on there. Uh, but I wrote this book. Lessons for the quest to live a joyful, profitable life in dentistry. And I just started writing. And I sent it to a few people, a lot smarter than me. Um, Linda Miles, Bob Pick, um, Paul Henney, Mary Osborne, some of the really most brilliant, accomplished people. And they wrote some stuff about this book. Holy guacamole. Me? 
little old me? They're taking me seriously. Hell, my kids won't even read this book. Uh, but it's made, what I've found is that writing, writing a book gives you credibility. Writing a book allows you to tell your story. And writing a book allows people to sit down with you between two paperback covers and learn the lessons that I've learned and relate and connect and maybe start to understand that life is good. So the book's done very well. I am working on a workbook to go along with it, which should happen in sometime in 2022. Um, and I intend to spread this message throughout dentistry because Because some good will come of my mother's suffering. Some good will happen out of the disaster that my mother encountered. I will make that happen. I will help dentists and their teams, communities, enjoy life. And not only stop inflicting needless suffering, but find the good in what they're doing and put it on steroids and have a, and do, do well while you're doing good. I don't give a damn what mode of practice you're in. I've done work for the military. I know dentists who work in federally qualified health centers. I know dentists who are high level, panky, spear, coice achievers. Happiness is attainable at any level. It's a matter of figuring out who you are, not beating yourself up over who you're not, but playing into who you are and play it hard and play it with a smile on your face so that Monday morning doesn't suck. <laughs> right. So I, it's, this is a very deep calling for me, April. This is... This is something I will do for the rest of my life. Yeah, and I know—I I don't know if you recall when he first met within the first five minutes. It's like, wow, made like a connection. It's like we—we we have some similar, I think, struggles we went through. I mean, different ways yeah. about it. But I was like, okay, this is an amazing person that is sitting in front of me. Well, uh, thank that that. You made my day. Thank you so much. But you know what? You know what the difference is, April? We do not allow these problems to define us. We allow them to challenge us. And I have wiring that's been put in me from childhood that's going to be there. I'm going to, you know, Christian Conti, uh, a psychologist, wrote a, uh, wrote a book and he says something. Um, it's called Working Through Anger. There are two types of people in this world. People with issues and dead people. So <laughs> we all have it. <laughs> if you embrace it, mm -hmm. if, you, if you say, oh, there she goes again, there he goes again, here comes that wave of stupid across the brain. All right, what's he going to think this time? Let it pass. Okay, stupid, you're done with it. Okay, fine, thank you, let's go on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, make fun of it or, or stomp it down, put it in a box, smash it over with a hammer in your brain, do whatever you want with it. But understand that emotions are fleeting, they pass. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I am very blessed to have an amazing wife who 
grounds me. And when things get a little out of hand, she'll just give me that look or say that word. And, uh, uh, damn, she's right again. Um, but having, having a good support system, whether it's through a marriage, which I'm blessed to have, whether it's through any other relationship or a group of like-minded people, uh, that is really, oh, pardon me, allergic to New Jersey. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever it is, um, eat right, get enough sleep, exercise, and have a good social network. And that's that's how you enjoy the ride. And the connection that you and I have made, um, I believe, is part of that enjoyment. I believe is part of that growth on both of our parts. Mm-hmm. So keep connecting. The trick is to not let your baggage define you. I tell people that all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you, you grow from that, those experiences. Yeah. As long as you do that. Yeah. You're going to hurt every now and then. Yeah. You're going to get kicked in the rear end every now and then. Sometimes you're going to kick yourself in the rear end or shoot yourself in the foot. That's part of human existence, man. You're not perfect. Right. And the one very important thing I want to impart to every soul listening to this thing. If the problems and challenges you're facing in life are overpowering you, get help. I did. I have no problem telling you that. And the reason I am what you see today is in good part. Uh, world famous therapist, Dr. Arnold Lazarus, and he died, unfortunately, before I really got to use some of the great tools that he gave me to become what you see today. But I'm forever grateful to Dr. Lazarus. Uh, but there are therapists out there. I have two torn rotator cuffs in my shoulders. I had a physical therapist rehab it. I have a torn meniscus in my knee. I had a physical re- therapist rehab it. So I'm a little torn up in the brain. What's wrong with a brain therapist to help you just work through that stuff? It makes you no less competent. It makes you no less worthy of love and, and respect. It makes you stronger. Ain't nothing wrong with that. So no shame. No shame. Well, like I was saying in the beginning, thank you so much for your honesty. It's, I'm a no BS type person and I can tell you are, and your story is incredible. Thank you. Thank you for sharing it. It is so, my privilege. And everybody out there, again, the name of the book is Enjoy the Ride. It's on Amazon. You can get it from Amazon. Dr. Alan Stern. And then your website is? Uh, my website is better, better, richer, stronger. But uh, right now, my website is kind of stagnant. The Facebook group, better, mm-hmm. richer, stronger. Please come on board. Invite your friends. We're about 2,100 now. I'd really like to get to 3,000 soon. So let's go, people. It's Bring it. Yes, I'm on there. And there was, you always have these fantastic quotes on it. Wait you till should. you see. Uh, let me give you a preview Wait till you see the reflection that comes on there this Sunday. Okay. It is powerful. Okay. And I know you had, no, I won't reveal anything. I won't reveal anything. Nope. (laughs) Nope. My dirty uh, little secrets are my dirty little secrets. So thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. April, I'm blessed to know you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
And everybody out in podcast world listening, please listen to what he was saying and, and join his uh, movement, so to speak. Gee, I hope my kids are listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can pay me later because I said it. Neil, Tracy, I'm smarter than you think I am. April says so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, April. What a joy. Right. All right. To see the video footage of the podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Dental Elements, A-L-E-M-E-N-T-S podcast. To share your story, hit us up on our website at rootyouon.com, R-O-O-T-U-O-N.com.